Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and today we are discussing chapters 28, 29, and 30 of Throne of Glass. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. To recap last week's episode of 26 and 27, another champion, Xavier the Thief from Melisande, was found murdered, and we are now down to 16 champions. Selena goes exploring the tomb again to look for clues and wonders why Elena tasked her with stopping the evil thing. She later heads towards the library and comes face to face with the dead body of Xavier. Selena examines the clock tower again and the gargles in the gardens with Nehemia, who warns Selena that it is dangerous and she should quit looking into them. Kane taunts Selena and he lets it be known that he knows she is really Selena and not Lillian Gordania. Later, Selena tries researching word marks in the library. She learns a little about the word, word marks, and word gates, and most importantly, she finds the walking dead. So, chapter 28, which is extremely short, Selena is alone in her room attempting to play pool. She is shrieking in rage when she hears Dorian draw from behind her for the world's greatest assassin. This is pathetic. Selena tells him if he is just going to insult her, then he can shove this, referencing the cue stick, and finishes by making an obscene gesture with it. After flirting, Dorian pulls the most cliche guy move by standing behind Selena and helping her shoot. They play until 2 a.m. while discussing books, history, politics, and the theater. Dorian is surprised by how frighteningly smart she is and wishes he knew more about her and her past. He only knew from Kel that she was from Terrison and that her family was dead. He helps an exhausted Selena get into bed when he notices the necklace around her neck. He felt it was familiar somehow. It's interesting to me in this chapter, it points out that this is the first time he ever calls her Selena by her name. So every other time he referenced her as an assassin. I can't think of the other names that he calls her, but it specifically Miss Sardothian. Miss Sardothian. Yeah. A lot. Never says Selena. And it was, I thought that was interesting to point out in this chapter. This chapter really just made me love Dorian and Selena slash Aelin's friendship. And honestly, we really got robbed of them doing more together in later books because, Mm -hmm. like, they're kind of around each other in Empire of Storms, but then the ending happens and then like they hardly ever see each other in Kingdom of Ash. And I'm like, I just know that these two together mm-hmm. has Rowan wanting to pull his hair out of his head because he <laughs> just knows these two are chaos together. And it's really like, after Crown of Midnight, he's like possessed by a demon the mm-hmm. whole time. So, so they don't see anybody. And then Rowan is tasked with bringing him over and like teaching him his magic. So they're on the boat for a little bit. Then all that happens in Empire of Storms. And then he's off on that other adventure. He's with Manon. And they really don't meet back up until pretty much they forge the lock. So yeah, they are. It's pretty much this book and a little bit of the next one that they really are together. And then not much after that. Yeah, we were kind of robbed of them. And uh, this is me manifesting another Tog book just so we can get more Dorian Aelin content because mm-hmm. I just know from like the Empire of Storms scene where she's pretending to be Selena and flirting with Rowan and Roth is like are you gonna handle her and he's like one simply does not deal with Selena Sardothian 
one just survives her. And I'm like, these two, (laughs) (laughs) Dorian was so confused of what was going on, but he was totally there for it. Yeah. Yeah. I always like Dorian. He's on board for the crazy, which is a good thing considering he's going to be with a witch. So to end my Dorian spiral in chapter 29, they kick off with the next test which requires the champions to spar. The winner automatically makes it through to the next test while the losers face judgment from Brulug. Whomever he determines did the worst is eliminated. Kane goes against Grave. Although Grave holds up pretty well, Kane still wins. Varen, who is partnered with Selena, taunts her and Knox comes to her defense. She decides it was enough. Enough of the pretending and the meekness. Enough with Cain. Varen swings his sword and Selena rams her fist into his arm, sending the sword flying. In the same breath, she hit his arm and his eyes bulge as she kicks him in the chest, sending him flying onto his back and out of the sparring ring, instantly eliminating him. The room was deadly silent. I love the shock on all of their faces when she's finally like, okay, y'all about to see the real Selena Sardothian. Mm -hmm. She literally beats him in less than a minute. I think it's like three moves, like boom, boom, boom. And he's out and he doesn't even know what had just happened. (laughs) Neither does Knox, neither do Kale, neither do anyone else in the room. Are we sure she's a (laughs) jewel? Meanwhile, Kale very wisely does not reprimand her for this. <laughs> yeah, because he probably knows she would have like wrung his neck or something at that point. Even- like I love that she finally cracks and is like, I'm sick of this game. I'm tired of it. <laughs> but even him and Dorian too, which Kale was with her more when she's training. So he knows what she's capable of. But even sometimes I think she catches him off guard and he's like, whoa, she actually is pretty good because it is disarming her being a female everyone underestimates females to begin with but her being pretty and wearing her Mm -hmm. pretty dresses and likes to read and then it brings them back to reality like oh yeah she actually is an assassin Mm -hmm. I think another thing is is that when she gets overtly emotional sometimes a little bit of her face strength sneaks in Mm -hmm. because like when the scene happens in crown of midnight where she's like trying to get back to the castle to save nahemia nahemia is already dead kale thinks about how she was out running him and he was on a horse he could not catch up to her so i think like this is another moment of she was so angry like some of her strength from being a fae creeped out Mm -hmm. and that's why she was like so powerful with her moves in this moment not taking away from how strong she is outside of that but I think this is just one of those like really quiet moments where she's more than just human yes kind of hinting to that foreshadowing it in future books right also we left out that uh Selena tells off Brulo after this moment and was like bring me someone real to beat and then storms out of the room yeah she tells Varen mock me again and I'll do that with my sword the next time And here's a lesson for you, weapons master. Give me real men to fight. Then maybe I'll bother trying. Then she walks up to Kane and she goes, here I am, just a little lapdog. And then he says, all I hear is yapping. And then she storms out. Sword drop instead of mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) So after the test, Selena is back in her room. She thinks about how she used to wish for adventures, old spells, and wicked kings. Let me just say... She gets all of it. (laughs) She didn't think that it would be like this. She always imagined that she would have someone to help her. A loyal friend or a one-armed soldier. She never imagined she would be alone. 
She wishes Sam was with her. He always knew what to do and always had her back, whether she wanted him to or not. She would give anything in the world to have him still with her. Cue tears for Sam. Sweet baby boy. Didn't get a chance to flourish. Yeah. Also, I think this is foreshadowing a little bit like all of the friends she's going to make in the next couple of books to like have someone with her supporting her through this adventure. I mean, when she was younger, she had her family, but her only friend was Adian. Mm-hmm. She had no other friends but him. And then since that time, since she fell in the river, her parents were killed, all of that, she got saved by Erebin. She's been on her own completely. Then she finally, it's like when she finally gets close to someone, they're ripped from her. So then she is a little scared to form those bonds. But, but yeah, this is such good foreshadowing to moving forward. She has such a crowd of people on her side and in her corner. I love it. But what is with our female main characters wishing for adventure? Bryce does it. She wishes for adventure and girl gets her adventure. Aelin's done it. And does she get an adventure? They get so much more than they wish for. And Selena really does quite literally get old spells and evil kings. I think Farrah's the only smart one. She just wanted to paint. Yeah. She She was like, I just want food and to be able to paint. And for my sisters to be married. Yeah. Like. She had such simple plans, and now she's, like, ruling a kingdom. Yeah, she's basically a high queen. She was like, I didn't even ask for this, and I got it, so, like, now I'm confused. True. That's why I resonate so much with Feyre. I just want to chill, live my quiet little life. (laughs) How did I end up in my little cabin just wanting to survive and and survive? Mm -hmm. And now have more money than I can fathom. (laughs) 17 different houses a husband a baby all these friends and we're leaders of our realm poor favorite she got got, everyone else wished for this stuff so like it's kind of your fault like you (laughs) be careful what you wish for before favorite did not wish for any of it and she (laughs) got it all selena studies the tapestry in her room again in the center stood a stag the symbol of the royal house of Terrison, the kingdom that Brannon, Elena's father, had founded. A reminder that though Elena became the queen of Otterlin, she still belonged to Terrison. Elena, like Selena, would always belong to Terrison, no matter where she went or how far. Elena told her to find the evil in the castle, but the only truly evil thing in this world was the man ruling it. Okay, she's not completely wrong. She's not completely right. He's one of the truly (laughs) Yes. She's on the right track. So this is one of the moments where when I read the first time, I knew Aelin was a character. I knew Rowan was a character. And so when I started this book, I was like, who is Selena? And I was just immediately like, Selena is Aelin. Because why would everybody keep talking about this Aelin character? And Selena's the main character. Like the only way this is going to work is if they are the same person. So this was one of the first times where I was, I jumped back and forth a lot, but I was firmly like, she is Aelin. There's a couple times later in the books where I'm like, is she Aelin? And then at the end, I'm like, okay, I was right the whole time. Why did I keep doubting myself? Mm-hmm. So then the chapter switches to Caltaine's point of view. So Caltaine is watching an acrobatic performance beside Queen Jorcina's throne and honor Duke Parrington had arranged. She thinks how easy it would be to get him to make an offer for her to be his duchess, but that it isn't enough while Dorian is unmarried. Her head had been pounding for the past week, and today it seemed to be throbbing the words, not enough, over and over. Even in her sleep, the pain seeped in 
warping her dreams into nightmares so vivid she couldn't remember where she was when she awoke. The Queen and Caltaine discuss Dorian, and the Queen wonders who he could be romantically interested in. She tells Caltaine she wishes Dorian could have met her first so that she could be a match for him instead of Duke Parrington. Honestly, I just feel bad for Caltaine every time she has a POV because knowing what's going to happen to her, I applaud her for making them pay yeah. Morath, but like, I just feel so terrible for her on the reread. The first read, I had no sympathy mm-hmm. until Queen of Shadows when we got all of it from her. But this entire reread, every time I'm like, you poor baby, like you just were trying to improve your life. It makes you think though, because how we talked in the beginning when we realized that, oh, this isn't actually the real Cain that we're dealing with. He's under mm-hmm. the Val influence. Well, we know that Parrington's using her headaches are a result of him using his power on her to subtly manipulate her mm-hmm. into the path he wants her to take. I don't know if it's ever explicit, but he wants her to be a problem for Dorian and kind of get in the way somehow. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, I think she still would have been ambitious. That's still her personality trait. She still wanted to marry Dorian. But if she would have been as petty and nasty as she was in this first one, if it wasn't for his influence too. And that just makes you look at her in another light, you know? I feel like she probably still would have been. Yeah, like I think it's in her personality to just be competitive and want Dorian. Yes, like I don't see her, if she just ran, if she just shown up at the castle and was an actual prospect, like right now she isn't truly an actual prospect because she's attached to Parrington and Dorian doesn't even like her. But if Dorian did like her and Parrington wasn't a part of it, and there were other I 1000% think she would have been so cutthroat to yeah. every female that came within a hundred yards of him. Yeah, I agree too. It's just in her Which nature. Which doesn't, doesn't take away from like everything she goes through being terrible. Oh, yeah. I think unlike Kane, who may have possibly had a different personality, mm-hmm. I think like this is the truest sense of her personality we get here. Mm-hmm. And he Prior plays to on trauma. That. He plays on those yes faults, I guess you could say in her yeah. personality and makes him come out more yeah I would agree yeah. with that too and so, I think who she is after all of her trauma is just kind of like Dorian changes after he's possessed mm-hmm. Aelin changes kind of after everything she's been through so like it's just the immaturity comes in so this mm-hmm. is like her immature essence I, yeah because after when she's thrown into dungeons and on is taken away to Mora. On the outside, she's pretty much a shell of herself and she's doing what she has to to protect herself so she can survive it. Mm-hmm. Mentally, she's strong as heck. Oh, yeah. You know, defeating the Valg inside her and devouring it. But yeah, you they each do what they have to do to survive. So yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. But each time her head sharply throbs, do we think Parrington's in that moment doing something to push her a certain way? Like when she has those sharp throbs or when she thinks they're saying not enough, not enough, it's pushing her towards something to make make her act. Possibly. I think more so he wanted, like he wants to use her body as a vessel. And so she's tolerable to his magic. Yeah. I think she's pressure. He's pushing the magic onto her to see how she'll respond to it and to see how much he can push through her brain. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and then getting her addicted to the drugs as another way to kind of like help control her yeah also to set up for how he's going to use her at the end to make her like you said when he tells her to poison selena and that they're doing it to save the prince and so mm-hmm. it, then he has her to be his scapegoat at the end of leverage all. Mm-hmm. yeah so now we go into chapter 30 and selena is practicing archery with kale As they argue, she notices the purple beneath his eyes. She wonders if he had gotten any sleep in the three weeks since Xavier's death. She certainly hadn't been sleeping well. She admits to Kale that Cain knows who she is. She tells him about the confrontation in the garden with Nehemia, lying that it was only a few days ago. Kale says that it's going to be fine. Even though the element of surprise is gone, she will still beat Cain in the final duel. Running footsteps halt them. Two guards come to a stop before them, saying, Captain, you're needed. Another body had been found in the servants' passages. They think it was from last night, the way the blood was half-dried. You want to prove how good you are? Kale asked Selena. Do I even need to? She replied. Come with me, he said, motioning for the guards to lead the way. I'm still confused why they thought Parrington wouldn't tell Kane. (laughs) I just don't get it. They're just so surprised each time Kane knows who I am. Kane knows who I am. Yeah, because your dirty spots are in the dirty champion. Well, the champion. And he was literally there when y'all got him out of prison. Yeah. Got her out of prison. Like, why are we confused? Yeah. And that's going to be the first piece of information he would have gave out. Literally the first piece. Be like, hey, the the chick. Yeah, she's Selena Sardothian. Keep an eye out for her. Because, like, she's got potential. Each time it's a shock. They're like, oh, no way. He knows. (laughs) yeah he knows (laughs) Uh, men men (laughs) men Kel and Selena push their way through the gathered crowd of guards and servants beholding the body the chest cavity was gaping open and the brain and face were missing there was claw marks gouged deep into the ground and two word marks were drawn in chalk on either side of the body there was no denying their connection now she thought Kale asked a nearby guard who it was, but before he could reply, Selena says, Varen Islich. She recognized his curly hair. I just want to know what the word marks say. I like, think they're I, a summoning, obviously. Yes, but, but like specifically. Yeah. Examining the call marks, she notes that there is no blood. They're clean, meaning whatever did this sharpened its nails before gutting him. Kel asks why that's important, and Selena explains that it had time before it attacked. Kel says it could have been lying in wait, but she points out that the torches are almost burnt to stubs, so they were still burning when he died. With the length of the hallway, Varen would have seen whatever it was long before he got to the spot. She wonders if it wasn't an animal, but a person, and they disabled Varen long enough to summon the creature. Varen had clean cuts across his ankles from a knife to stop him from running, and he had dirt under his fingernails, which were cracked and shattered from desperately trying to drag himself away. He was alive the entire time that thing sharpened its claws on the stone while its master watched. Kel asks what that means, and she tells him it means you're in a lot of trouble. As Kel's face paled, Selena realized that perhaps the champion's killer and Elena's mysterious evil force might be one in the same. Not Selena being a better <laughs> detective in these five minutes than Kel has been this entire time. Ridiculously underqualified in everything she like points out. He's like, 
well, how do you know that? Why is he doing that? Why is it? And she's like, because this, 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 and this. He's like, what have you been doing? You've been studying is- these bodies and you're, you're finding zero clues because they're not even linked. It's not a pattern. But Selena comes and she's like, oh, you see the candles burn in the long hallway and the gouge marks and Kale's like, and he's cut across there. his ankles. Yeah. He's just standing there with his freaking thumb up his butt, like doing nothing. This is like a um, Sherlock Holmes when he's like elementary, when he's having his moment where he's explaining to everyone else how the murder happened and everybody's like, how did you come to this conclusion? This is Selena's Sherlock Holmes moment. This is her coming in and being like, Blue's Clues figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Not you. Seriously. It just made him look so much more incompetent in solving or even doing anything with all of these murders because he doesn't think outside the box and he doesn't wonder about things and he doesn't question things. So if it's not black and white and spelled out for him and clear cut, he's not going to figure it out. Exactly. Later, Selena flips through a book looking for any sign of the two word marks that were drawn by Varen's body. She stops on a map of Aurelia. She stared at Orinth, the city of light and learning, the Pearl of Aurelia and capital of Terrison, her birthplace. Selena slammed the book shut, sighing. When she managed to sleep, her dreams were haunted by ancient battles, by swords with eyes, by word marks that swirled around her head and blinded her with the bright colors. She could see the gleaming armor of Fae and mortal warriors, hear the clash of shields and the snarl of vicious beasts, and the smell of blood and rotting corpses all around her. Carnage trailed in her wake. Okay, the sword with eyes haunts me. Is this Damaris? Is this another ancient sword? Yeah, this seems as, I don't know if premonition would be the right word, but I feel like this is a look into the future and she's dreaming about it. Or a look into the past. Exactly, or Like, I past. think she's seeing, I know what you're saying. I think she's seeing a real scene. Mm-hmm. Is it Elena battling the hordes, you know, and she's in Elena's position? Or is it looking to the future? I'm going to go with, I don't know if she's in Elena and seeing it through her eyes. Mm-hmm. Or if she's just kind of been put in the middle of like an ancient battle. Mm-hmm. But either way, I definitely think this is a real moment that she's seeing and it's kind of the same way that Caltaine's having the nightmare she is Mm -hmm. it having to do with that valg influence on her selena seeing these word marks around her the battle going on the vicious beasts it's a parallel for sure Mm -hmm. it just hit me it reminds me of an akatar when Feyre keeps having those weird dreams where she's like literally dreaming things that amarantha is doing she sees her hand, she hears the adder's voice and all of these things. Before this is that same kind of, Yes, mm-hmm. this is that same kind of moment mm-hmm. to me. I agree. Oh, good. I'd hoped you'd be awake, says Dorian, making Selena jump. He looked tired and a bit ruffled. She asks what he's doing there. It's almost midnight and she has a test tomorrow. Examining her books, he asks if there's connection between them all. She tells him no. Not quite alive, though she had hoped for them to contain something about word marks. They talk about Varen's death and Selena tells him that she thinks it reflects poorly on his esteemed father to have all of this going on. Perhaps he should devote some additional resources to solving these murders before she wins this absurd competition just because she's the last one left alive. Pushing thoughts of claw marks and brainless corpses away, she asks Dorian why he is so disheveled. 
Has Caltain been clawing at you? He says, thankfully, not recently, but it has been a miserable day. The pups are mutts, explaining that one of his dogs gave birth to a litter of mongrels. He had hoped for purebreds. He then asked Selena why she is so disheveled in hopes that seeing the body wasn't too harrowing. Not at all, she said. I just haven't slept well. He admits neither as he, then changes the subject, asking if she will play the piano forte for him. Of course not. You played beautifully, he said. If I had known someone was spying on me, I wouldn't have played at all. Why is playing so personal for you? I can't hear or play music without... Never mind. No, tell me what you were going to say. Nothing interesting, she said. Does it stir up memories? She eyed him, searching for any signs of mockery. Sometimes. Memories of your parents? Selena stood suddenly. Don't ask such stupid questions. I'm sorry if I pried. She didn't respond. The door in her mind that had kept locked at all times had been cracked open by the question, and now she tried frantically to close it. He goes on. It's just that I know nothing about you. She replies that she is an assassin, and that's all there is to know. He asks, please, one question, promising nothing too sensitive. She gives in, and he grins. After thinking of a good one, he asks, why do you like music so much? You said nothing sensitive, she exclaims. He asks how that is different from asking her why she likes to read books. She let out a long breath. I like music because when I hear it, I, I lose myself within myself, if that makes sense. I become empty and full all at once, and I can feel the whole earth rolling around me. When I play, I'm not, for once I'm not destroying, I'm creating. She tells him that she used to want to be a healer, back before this became her profession, when she was almost too young to remember. Music reminds me of that feeling. I love the way she describes her love of music. Also, I think it says a lot about Selena Aylin's true personality and dreams by her wanting to be a healer, because she always wants to be someone who creates and yet she has such a destructive power that it kind of shows her fear of that. Which also is why, like, everybody goes so up much in arms where SJM makes all these books with powerful women make them lose their powers at the end. And that's how it ends. But like, she doesn't actually lose all of her power. It's significantly less power. One-fourth of the amount of power she used to have. Mm -hmm. Which is a drastic change. But like, she never wanted it and she mm -hmm. never felt comfortable in it which is why I'm okay with that happening because mm -hmm. it's not who she was as a character if she was missing her powers that she had to give up to save everyone mm -hmm. then I would be a little upset be like there had to be a way for her to keep her powers if that's what she truly wanted mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the same thing with Nesta even though she stole the power from the cauldron to get back at it she was still terrified of the power and like wanted no part of using it and she didn't even lose all her powers either we don't know how much power she has but like both of these women didn't want and didn't admire the power that they got which is the opposite of Feyre who embraced all the power she got and made it a part of herself with Aelin I've always felt it was so fair of her and it was always on her shoulders because she had Mala's flame. She had the firepower. She had the strongest power. So it's up to her to save everyone. It was up to her to sacrifice herself when Dorian was right there too. Mm -hmm. They made a choice when they were children that 
it was going to be Aelin. Like you said, her power this whole time is destruction. It's fire. It's nothing good comes out of it unless you, I guess you look at something like a phoenix that rises from the ashes. And that is what Aelin did. But she, I think it just says a lot that she lived. Like she yeah. was supposed to die to forge this lock. Yes. Like that was her destiny. That was her fate was to die. The fact that she gave up or didn't necessarily give up. That wouldn't be the right word. But in this instance, her power and she's able to live and move on with the rest of her life. And she doesn't have the full extent of the brunt of that responsibility the, that yeah. comes with the power. I think it will just make her a happier person, honestly. And she can train on her, the water magic she got from her mom and maybe be a healer if that's what she truly wants to be but just saying she's nothing without her power diminishes everything she is and who she really is without her power and who she was all these years that she didn't even have access to her power yeah I also think fire itself can be like a source of life you need warmth during the winter it's a basic survival yeah it's a basic survival tool but the fact that she only saw it as destruction says a lot about how she felt about that much power because she didn't see it as something she could use for good. She only Mm -hmm. ever saw the destruction and harshness of it. Mm -hmm. Now it's her turn to ask him a question. He says there are no limitations. He's not nearly as private as you are. She asked him why he isn't married yet. He is shocked saying he's only 19. She reminds him that he is the crown prince and he says to ask another question. Now she really wants to know since he is resisting. I'm not married, he said softly, because I can't stomach the idea of marrying a woman inferior to me, in mind and spirit. It would mean the death of my soul. She tells him that marriage is a legal contract. It's not a sacred thing. As crown prince, you should have given up such fanciful notions. You could easily love some woman on the side. Marriage doesn't mean you can't love other people. His eyes flashed. You marry the person you love and none other, he said. And she laughed. He tells her that she is remarkably judgmental. One, I love how much of a romantic Dorian is. And he's like, I will only marry a woman I love, which just makes me hope for one day we get a Dorian Manon book so that we can see that because her riding off into the sunset on Abraxas was not Mm -hmm. the ending I was prepared for. Before I get on that entire rant, I'm going to stop it there. Two, karma. Karma for Selena because she's like, <laughs> you should only marry someone that's politically advantageous for you as a prince. Okay. Rowan's like, I literally have, I have nothing to give you. And she's like, I don't care. I love you. And I'm I like, want you. <laughs> pot, meat kettle here. I think it's interesting of both of their perspectives on marriage and then who they looked at as a role model for marriage. Okay. Because you see Dorian with his parents, there's no love there. Mm-hmm. They did their duty, they had their kids, and then they do their separate things. And he's the one that's like, I want love. I'm going to marry for love. And then you have Aelin, who her parents truly did love each other. Mm -hmm. And that's who modeled love in a marriage after her. And she's like, you have to marry for duty to your country. So that's just so interesting of their parents and then their views of love and marriage. I know they, her parents did love each other, but were they... A political marriage? I and think it not, was. If not, like, how in the heck do they meet? It doesn't I think specifically it, say, but for what other reason are you uniting Terrison and Wendland? Yeah. So I think both versions are political marriages, but, like, mm-hmm. we get 
two different sides. We get the one where like real love and friendship grows, and then you get the side where like you grow to toxic. hate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's why she was like, we can, you can marry someone else and it's fine because Mm -hmm. she saw it working out. Whereas Dorian saw the side where it's like a terrible situation. And he's like, I Mm -hmm. don't want that. I want the opposite of what I see. Yeah. Yeah. You've attempted to ruin my dreams and ideals. I get enough from my mother as it is. You're just being cruel. She says she's being practical. There's a difference. He is Crown Prince of Otterland. He is in a position where it's possible to change Aurelia for the better. You could help create a world where true love isn't needed to secure a happy ending. And what sort of world would I create for that to happen? A world where men govern themselves. You speak of anarchy and treason. I do not speak of anarchy. Call me a traitor all you like. I've been convicted as an assassin already. Sweet little Dorian with his ideals. And I know... Selena Aylin knew that as a princess, she would most likely not marry for love. Love could grow from that relationship, but she knew her duty. She was the heir. So she knew that as a princess, she would have to marry for their country to strengthen Terrison. And she was okay with that because Mm -hmm. other things were more important to her anyway over love. That doesn't mean she didn't believe in love. She didn't want love, but that just wasn't her priority for a marriage. Her country and her people were at the top of the list. And I think it's been a privilege to Dorian that he is free to think like he is. Mm-hmm. And his naivety is a little bit endearing because you're like, oh, he believes in true love and yada, it's yada, cute. yada. It's cute. Yeah. That he even thinks that that's a possibility. But I'm surprised by how much the king pretty much left him alone all of these years. And he hadn't been harder on him as much as he was harder on him. He allowed Dorian to read books. Like he was not the true disciplinarian and Mm -hmm. made him do certain things like you figured he would, especially with him being foul infested. So have a thought on that. So Parrington is possessed by Erwin and then the king is possessed by his minion, as his all minion, says. like yeah. his servant or whatever, Valg servant, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why Dorian had so much freedom is because Erwan and whatever Valg was inside the king never planned on letting him actually rule. Yeah. Like he's just there. So they're like, you can kind of do whatever you want because like you're not actually ever Their plans be were bigger than that. Yeah. As far as we know, we never really learned how long their lifespans are. We know that they're significantly longer than the Fae because mm-hmm. Maeve was there for however long it's they're been. Initially, as far as we know, immortal. Yeah, like a true mm-hmm. immortal. So at that point, I don't know how often he has to change bodies since the human body would eventually deteriorate mm-hmm. or if he had plans at a certain point to just shed that body and take over. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the game plan was or if they were just going to wait for Dorian to get older and then he was going to like jump into Dorian's body. Or they were waiting the- to bring a prince over that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why Dorian was allowed to like have so much. They freedom. were preoccupied. Yeah. They knew that they would handle him either with like a prince or they, a prince Valg or like Erwan would pick his body. Or and just they would take to- over the world by that point and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. He sidled closer to her and his fingers brushed hers, callous, warm, and hard. Something was brought to life and laid to sleep in his gaze. 
Your eyes are very strange, he said. I've never seen any with such bright ring of gold. She says if he is attempting to woo her with flattery, it won't work. He says he was merely observing. He has no agenda. Then looked down at her hand, asking where she got that ring. She tells him that it was a gift, and it's none of his concern who it was from. She knew Kale wouldn't want Dorian to know. She notes the way the collar of his black jacket lay across his neck. She wanted to touch him, to trace the lines between his tan skin and the golden lining of his fabric. She changes the subject, asking, Billiards? I could use another lesson? She strode toward the gaming room. She very much wanted to stand close to him and have her skin warm under his breath. She liked that. Worse than that, she realized she liked him. If Kale didn't want people to know, then he shouldn't have given her something to wear as a statement. Hey, I gave you this. Dorian was at the same party he was. He know they were given out as party favors. So now he's like, which of my guards gave you that? Did Kale give you that? <laughs> How did you get it? <laughs> exactly. But also, Selena is thinking things of Dorian while she's wearing a ring from another man. <laughs> I just love it. I just can't see her and Kale together in this book. It's just so much Selena and Dorian. The way she looks at him, the way she talks to him, the way Dorian looks at her. Kale is so reluctant to even think one nice thing about her and she's too busy arguing with him that I can't see how that became anything okay but let's go back for a minute and think about <laughs> go back to Twilight and think about Edward at the beginning of the book yeah think about how you felt her. <laughs> the way he interacted with her the way he like acted like he was disgusted being around her and how hard you fell for that but I was also 15 years old <laughs> exactly <laughs> And we have to think that SJM originally started writing this in high school. So yeah. like, let's, this is a 15 year old girl yeah. that originally started mm -hmm. writing this. She did go back and do edits and stuff. So like not defending Kale because almost 30 year old me cannot see it. Yeah. But also I was a PETA girl, not a Gale girl. And yeah. so I was also originally a Stefan girl, not a Damon girl. I'm a, I'm a Stefan girl. It was on rewatches of the series that I yes. kind of became a. I like, I love them both. I'm a cat. Ventured way far from the books. We read yes. the books first and they are wild. Let me tell you, if you've they, ever read the Vampire Diaries books, they came out in the 90s, but we read them in high school. If you're picturing the show, they basically only have the same names. That's the only same thing. So, for, yes, I'm a Stefan Gurley. Yeah. In, I'm a, in the show, obviously, they make it so. Yeah. One or the other. But I'm also a Klaus Caroline stan. Yes. So I just couldn't get past all of that. Anyway, this is not a vampire we diary got, show. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we lost the plot there. Anybody who is a, <laughs> is a vampire diaries girl, though, and you read the books and yeah. you want to commiserate the chaos. That, the, that book it's, series was so weird. And I will never so forget weird. being a freshman in high school and us being so excited to watch the first episode of Vampire Diaries and be like, She's a brunette. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Where's Meredith? Meredith. Catherine's the Meredith. cat. Okay. Yes. Yes. But also back to the story. <laughs> Selena is so good at deflecting attention away from her eyes. She yes. knows when people start noticing and then she's like, oh, you're just trying to flatter me and deflects the attention. But it's that was her one true giveaway in all of this that no one ever saw. Even knowing Adian was right there a lot of the times, having the same eyes, knowing he's an Ash River. The king met her mm -hmm. as a child. He knows what her eye color is. 
Yeah. He's spent years doing all of this stuff with Adian, mm-hmm. who is on the way to Waterland right now, and they miss each other by a week. Mm-hmm. Imagine they, how different it would have been. And they look so similar. Besides their eyes, they look yeah, so similar. Like, yeah. How They just how truly he, believe she died that night. Yeah. But, like, how did he miss it? Because yeah. it was, like, right in front of him. Now we're back in Kale's point of view. He watched Parrington in the dining hall. When he approached him about Baron's death, he didn't seem bothered. In fact, most of the sponsors went about as usual. If Selena was right, then the killer could be among them. Turning his attention back to the Duke, he noticed between the grins and laughter, a shadow passed across the Duke's face. It wasn't an expression of anger or disgust, but a shade that clouded his eyes. Parrington's eyes became dark and his face cleared as if he saw everything in the world for what it was and found no joy or amusement in it. Kel knew little of him and had never entirely trusted him, nor had Dorian. But the Duke was the king's most trusted advisor and had offered no cause for mistrust other than a fierce belief in Otterland's right to conquest. Caltaine Rapier sat a few chairs away, her eyes filled with cold contemplation upon Parrington as well. His gaze returned to the Duke and he saw it again for a moment. Parrington's eyes fell upon the black ring on his left hand and darkened, as if his pupils had expanded and encompassed all of each eye. Then it was gone. His eyes returned to normal. Kale looked at Caltaine, wondering if she noticed the odd change. No, her face remained the same. Kale stretched and rose, strange as it was, he had enough to worry about. The Duke was ambitious, but certainly not a threat to the castle or its inhabitants. But even as Kel walked to his rooms, he couldn't shake the feeling that Duke Barrington had been watching him too. So I just literally had a thought hit me. Do we think the Valg are like Amran in her original form in the fact that they have no emotion? Like no ability to like feel emotion? I think so because when... Maeve is describing being on the Valg world. I think she describes it like that. Yeah. She's like, there's no sunlight. There's no, I can't remember exactly what she says, but I think they just don't have the same feelings as human, as Valg. They don't have love. They don't have yeah any of that. So yeah, I would agree with that. And like the Asteria as well. True. It's like, what is your point of living? I guess that's, is the whole point of the problem right there is that they have no they true goals but just conquest yeah like they, they don't, don't feel things humans do mm-hmm. they don't have which kind of shows yeah which kind of shows the differences between erwan and Maeve slash amran not saying Maeve was a good person but like she wanted more than what she was stuck with mm-hmm Amron wanted more than what she was stuck with and they mm-hmm. both put themselves into fey like bodies Mm-hmm. So that they could have mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because then you also see how, even with the iron teeth, how they were so taught to push down those human side of them or the face side of them mm-hmm. and to only focus on the bloodthirstiness, the killing, the valg part of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas that differed from the croc, the crockens, the crokens. It mm-hmm. differed from them. Is finally when Manon, she comes to terms with that. And she's like, I really do love my 13. I do love Abraxas. I do want more than I've been brought up to believing and brought up to being taught. I think that just shows you they can want more. And I don't know how that makes Maeve different or Amarin different or if it's that curiosity. And then they do actually see 
a better world and they realize what's wrong in the world that they are in. Yeah. Yeah. Good for thought there. Mm-hmm. But with Kale looking at the Duke, he is so wrong that he's not a threat. And the fact that he can't see that, they're all just so blind of what's right in front of their faces. He just dismisses it again. Well, the king trusts him, so he he must not have anything wrong with him. But back to the ring, we know he uses the ring. How do we think that works? If you wear it, it lets you communicate with others who are also wearing it. Is it like Damati powers, but you have to wear the ring to connect to other people? Do we think he's conversing with the king or Kane during this time? Just curious. Your guess is as good as mine because I've got no clues. Also, it's bothered me in this reread how his eyes are black and he's the king in that body. I just want to know why they're black. Because it's not till he sheds his skin Mm -hmm. that he has his golden eyes as the king eyes. But Manon's eyes are golden. I think the black eyes are the representation that someone is possessed. So, like, his true eyes can't shine through because, like, his true eyes aren't the same color He's not in his true form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the black eyes is just an indicator that someone is possessed. Yeah. I don't know why we were wondering what color eyes the king has or we were wondering where Dorian got his blue eyes from. The king's possessed, so he has black eyes. Yeah. So, he could possibly have the blue eyes Dorian got his eyes from (laughs) because we don't know his true color. So I just wondered, that's also another point to Queen Georgina to be like, um, did your husband have blue eyes before and now he has black eyes and you just didn't know the difference when he became Valg infested? I just wondered. They didn't spend much time together. Yeah. Yeah. It was just dark (laughs) during the times that they saw each other. (laughs) You went there. I didn't. (laughs) They did their duty and said goodbye. Okay, (laughs) that is chapters 28, 29, and 30. So to recap this episode, we had a really quick one in chapter 28. It was just basically Selena and Dorian flirting while he teaches her to play billiards. And then in chapter 29, we had another test where they sparred against each other. And Selena's paired up with Varen and he taunts her as she decides she has had enough and she beats him in three moves. And we also realize that we don't get told who gets sent home after this test so someone obviously gets sent home but we're just not told so we're not told who it is no they obviously didn't matter yeah they were one of the soldiers but yeah caltaine continues to plot to marry dorian by trying to gain favor with the queen and we learn that she's been having awful headaches and nightmares then in chapter 30 another champion has been found murdered this time it's varen and Selena and Kel examine the crime scene and the body, and she pieces together some key information. And it's not only just a creature that's killing, but a person has to be summoning it. She continues her search for information on word marks when Dorian comes to her chambers. And she admits something personal when he asks her about what music means to her. And he does so in turn when she asks him why he isn't married. And then the chapter ends with Kel observing some strange behavior from the Duke. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Throne of Chaos Pod. So come say hi. And you can find us on YouTube. So check us out over there and subscribe if you would like to watch. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.